Welcome to Dropping the Axe, an unofficial Hunter Hunter podcast. My name is Dame Dr. Foxy Brown. I am joined by Diego and Ed the Crimson. Yo, what to do? Okay, I guess Diego's just not going to say anything. No, I'm here. I was just, I, sorry, I didn't realize that we were going to enter. Yeah, yeah you didn't say his full name. You just like stopped. You're like Diego and Ed the Crimson. I was like, okay. But uh, did you want me to say yeah. Diego the Unclean? Because I don't think the. Yes. I'm not even sure no. Diego knows <laughs> that, that. That's what I called him. <laughs> no, I don't. Actually, I haven't been really paying attention to yeah. Twitter much. It uh, wasn't on Twitter. Busy, yeah. But like oh, it wasn't. on on the survey under hosts, I have um, Ed the Crimson, Peterson the Wild Card, and Diego the Unclean. Ah, and I got nice. I got several messages about how they were hilarious, and I was just like, I was just trying to put something after the, because Diego no. <laughs> seemed really empty, and that's just what came. It is. Head. It's always empty. Yeah. So today, obviously, a lot has been happening in Hunter Hunter since we last recorded about episode 118. So for this episode, we're going to be going after a lot of the um, main things that happened. Um, between episode 119 and 126. So if you need to know this episode titles, the episodes we're going to cover are 119, Strong or Weak, 120, Fake and Real, 121, Defeat and Dignity, 122, Pose and Name, 123, Centipede and Memory, 124, Breakdown and Awakening, 125, Great Power and Ultimate Power, and 126, um, Zero and Rose. For some yeah. reason, when I read fake and real, my brain autom- automatically turns it into fake and or real. <laughs> Don't know why. I guess this is what we expect to be going together uh-huh. with those words. Um, yes. Yeah. You want to know a fun fact, too, by the way? I'm just going to throw this sure, out there I love right fun now. Facts. At the end of this ep- of that latest episode is when Togashi went on a hiatus. So can you imagine fucking seeing <laughs> the thing explode <laughs> and being like, no! What happens next? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But um, it is amazing to kind of think of what our emotions were like back then, which I I think would have been 2010 or maybe even before that. But when he went on that hiatus, and it's just we don't know who's dead, who's alive. We don't know how that follow is going to affect everything else. Because it's like when I finished watching 126 with my brother, he looks at me and he's like, okay. So what happens next? And I'm like, I swear to God, I do not remember. Like, mm-hmm. I could tell you what happens, obviously, with the king and, and Nefropito. I'm oh, not Nefropito. Tarot. But everybody else is just, I know someone dies. I don't remember what happens to them. I know somebody freaks out. I know. Yeah. I can cover four people. Everybody else involved. I assume uh-huh. two of them die somehow. But yes. I, I don't remember who did it, what happened, what the circumstances were. And like that's kind of how... And it's only been about two years since that got solved, but two or three years. But it's just because of the consistent breaks and so many other things I've consumed in the middle there. It's just... I am just as lost as people who are watching this without reading anything. Yeah. Like, I remember big things... Because it's been it's now been two years since I read the, the manga like from front to back. So yeah, now I'm even lost on things. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as what the situation ends up being is, um, we 
we left off right at the uh, when was it Yupi was fighting. Was that part of these episodes? I can't remember. Um, Yupi is involved yes. at this point, and Killua yeah. Yupi's fighting. Uh, was it Knuckle? He almost gets Knuckle. Yeah, and okay. uh, he is about to let Knuckle go, I think. And Killua shows up, and it's just like I can't ignore this. And then he shows us the the evolution of his electrical powers. This is after God's basically told him to go fuck himself. And yep. he's like lost emotionally, but he still knows what he has to do. And at this point, I'm just like, "Come on, son! Why couldn't you just Why couldn't you just walk past and let this go? Yuffie wasn't doing anything to hurt anybody else. Because um, I think I can't remember if it was at this point where he had already acknowledged Knuckle or he's about to acknowledge Knuckle um, as a combatant." And sort of like with that mutual respect that they, I think over the course of these episodes, with the mutual respect that they attain for each other, they come to an understanding. Um, Obviously, Yupi is still an ant. At some point, the extinction of the human race, if that's what the king wants, is still very much on the table. And Knuckle also knows that he's incapable of beating um, Yupi in a straight on fight, sort of because their evolution um, is just. A continuous straight line there so far there seems to be no point where the royal guards will plateau and the king even more so so everybody kind of knows that regardless of who they're developing into they have to be stopped and that that kind of was my main problem um when it came to sympathizing with the human characters towards the end of this arc as i saw um, the ants change with the exception of Pufu because he's terrible yes. um, they clearly were developing um, empathy um, for if not the human race as a whole but for specific humans um, the king as well the empathy that he developed for Kamugi sort of helped and the fact that he's engaged in this battle with Natero which is the, the greatest challenge he's had since he was born. Um, he understands that humans are more than just food, which is, of course, um, how he looked at it beforehand. Like, the weakest humans are food. The strongest humans are either um, enemies or their potential allies. And now he's kind of understood that the lines between weak and strong um, aren't what I thought it was. And those humans that are interesting, there's some merit to sparing their lives. But he's still looking at it from the perspective of a predator, where, right. which is a completely, and like I've tried to tell people, it's a completely justifiable point of view, because that's what he is. And he's, even though he's an intelligent predator who can obviously speak human language, he can't possibly divorce himself from that part of, part of his biology. Like, no. even even if we somehow got the most dangerous predators on Earth, and for this, this situation, I'm going to go with alligators, because they're terrifying on every level. Yes. So, let's assume that alligators could stand on two feet, um, had opposable thumbs, and were able to talk to us. They Burn them! St- <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. sorry. They still, and they, I mean, they do have like fairly 
um, impenetrable scales and all of that. They're mm-hmm. very difficult to kill unless, you know, you're... Look, I was scared them. enough when they learned how to climb trees, okay? Look, everything about alligators terrifies <laughs> me. Mm-hmm. All right? You can probably outrun me. You can definitely outswim me. And if for some reason I'm habitat, which as a black person, I'm obligated not to be. Uh, yes. Because that is murky water that I cannot see the bottom of. And there is no way in hell I'm going in this. I could go in a lake for a swim. And there could just be 30 alligators in there. Because there's no way I could tell that going in. And then the worst was, of course, seeing nature documentaries and such and seeing like an animal go in the water and then 40 crocodiles who you did not know were there just like slip quietly into the water. And then the next thing you know, there's thrashing and screaming and blood. Mm-hmm. So and you don't expect it because they're so lazy. They just <laughs> chill. They, yeah. they, they just slide. And then when it's eating time, they go fucking insane. So seeing as, um, yeah, I mean, the the crocodile hunter obviously attempted to allow us to understand what these creatures are like, and they're that like sort of the way that people have tried to teach us about sharks since Jaws happened. That look, they're not as dangerous to human beings as we seem to think they are. However, like even if they develop speech, opposable thumbs, they build tools. They created kingdoms and little families and associations that humans could understand. What we could never divorce from them is the fact that they're predators. Humans today, obviously, with the invention of weapons and whatnot, are predators. But yes, but also at the same time, like early in our evolution, like we became, uh, I forget what it's called when you eat plants and animals. But um, yeah, yeah, omnivores. Omnivores. But, but crocs are just straight carnivores. Even if they evolve thumbs, it would take like probably thousands of years of evolution for them to become omnivores if evolution so desired such a thing. I mean, if, if it got to a point where like there is no more meat sources and if you don't adapt, you'll die, that's mm-hmm. kind of the only way that would happen. Mm-hmm. But the chimera ants are crocodiles, yo. Like they're yeah, never, yeah, they're, much. they're never gonna not be crocodiles or alligators as this thing started out as. They're never gonna stop being alligators. Um, and the humans do recognize this, but the problem with the the way they were looking at it in the beginning was when they showed up, they were straight expecting alligators. Like ninety mm-hmm. percent of the ants they interacted with, which, which were the weak ones and the ones that didn't have um, humans in their lineage, were alligators. So. It was easy for them to kill alligators because, like, they're they're posing a direct threat. But when they started to meet alligators, who also uh, thought and approached situations like humans would, it became difficult. And especially for I think a little bit more so for the audience and for the adults in the group um, than for Gon and Killua, because to Gon and Killua, they were always alligators. They never stopped being alligators. The moment when Gon walks into that room and understands that he's witnessing an alligator healing a human when every indication of what he knows so far is that the alligators only intend to eat humans or turn them into other alligators. Uh, It 
confuses and distresses him. Uh, so much so that every one of his friends he interacts with from that point forward, it's only two people really, but when he interacts with Killua and when he interacts with um, Knuckle later, they both realize that he is like teetering on the brink of complete emotional and mental breakdown and just one wrong thing said to him and there could be irreparable damage yes um what's amazing i think um of course to get back to what actually happens and less metaphors about alligators is uh, <laughs> gone enters this room and i think this would have started before we, we went on break gone enters this room with um in search of pito and pito is sitting there um forgot the name dr blythe i think yes yeah dr uh, blythe which now reminds me of dr blight from captain planet um <laughs> sitting there with dr blythe out attempting to heal um komugi which pito has been ordered to by the king on threat of death and yes. Pito is already confused about why the king wants to save this girl and it's something that comes back again when um Pufu shows up there's a confusion about why Kamugi has to live and the fact like why when this is something that I created a to amuse myself but b to make sure that the king um, is saved above all others like why am I wasting this on a human when I could be out there with the king as the king is battling um, the tarot and so you have that combined with Gon walking in and being like there's no way you would save someone when it's first nature to you to kill them and as Pito is trying to explain why he doesn't want to hear none of that Nah, he's he, like, nah, I don't care. He barely even <laughs> he barely even wants to save the human, which I think um, is the greatest shift in in Gon's personality in this arc. Yes, uh, he wasn't really one of those heroes that would have specifically gone out of his way to save somebody. But if a person's dying in front, he has the opportunity to save their life. He typically would do it. But here you have, like, he's outright, like, stop what you're doing. Let this woman die. Because I don't know who she is and I don't care who she is. And come with me to fix Kite. Yep. And, like, meanwhile, it's clear that there's nothing that could be done for Kite. So this whole thing is exercise of futility and is, is mm -hmm. you know, going to end with one or both. But she can't tell him that. Well, no, because he right. just... And, well, God doesn't explode. know that. That's yeah. the thing. He no, no, I'm think, saying, but Pito can't tell him that. He, I don't think Pito has know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> Probably not, because Pito That's is true. already stressed out mm -hmm. from this healing. Pito he's showed done, up. He's, he's operated on by now, like, on countless people. Yeah. I'm not going to remember. Up, or, sorry, Gon showed up, and he's there healing, you know, Kumugi. And he's like... You, like, you know who I am. You know what I want, right? It's like, yeah, I'll fight you. And that's it. There was no... Yeah. It's he, all about revenge. It had nothing to do with... I don't think it had anything to do with on... um <clears throat> With the actual, like, talking about Kite. 
I mean, no, I was gonna say no. Pito's aware that they're there to kill the king, so obviously the assumption is you're killing the king, you're killing, you're trying to kill all of us. So the automatic conclusion with Gon showing up is you want to kill me. And when Pito originally met Gon, Gon and Killua didn't register to Pito at all in terms of strength. Pito was just there because um, they sense Kite. So I think that there's no way Pito would recognize them because they left so little of an impression at the time. Even though Gon tried to fight Pito, mm-hmm. I mean, considering that they're ants, they're probably not even that good at recognizing the differences between humans. It's just, it's like this level of arrogance that Gon expects um, Pito to know who he is and what he wants and how urgent it is to him that he have it immediately. Because it's so silly. Like, Kite isn't going anywhere. He's no. not He's not getting any worse and he's not getting any better. There's no reason not to let um, Pito completely... Because Pito says it's going to take three to four hours to heal Kamugi. Yeah. And God's like, no. it's not. I'm not giving you that much time. <laughs> you need to figure something out. And he's like, okay, well, an hour. And Gon sits down and is like, you have exactly an hour. And I'm not moving from this spot. Immediately after you that hour is up, we're going to fight. And Pito's just like, um, okay, I guess. And I, I loved um, how much Pito unsettled Gon without really trying to here. Because um, as he's agitated and he's moving to really attack both of them, like he's not even comprehending um because it's it's Killua who's giving us this knowledge that Pito is not in um attack mode um that Pito is more in a protective stance um like a cornered i think it's his mother cat yes um that is being distressed by either a hunter or a human that's coming in contact with um kittens and then i love that Pito um broke the arm as just like desperation, like, look, I'm not going anywhere. You don't, I'm not going to attack you. You don't have to stress out. I will break all, I will break both of my arms. Like, I will put myself at such a disadvantage as long as, um, to make you feel comfortable. And so I can heal this woman that I don't really care about. And he puts his palms face up on the ground. Yep. And, like, with Gon having so much experience with animals, he really should be able to understand uh, the animal language that Pito's using as communication. But it seems like it barely registers. And then Gon throws out the... What do you... Like, prior to coming... To Killua coming to... um, UP, Gon throws out the whole... You don't care about anything. That must be easy for you. And we, we sort of see how... Killer was struggling with. Yeah, I was an assassin and I killed a lot of people, but you should have obviously seen that I'm a different person now. And this, this whole interaction between him and Gon sort of irreparably changes their relationship. And what happens going forward is Killua trying to sort out like what's important to me and who have I ever really cared about? And we see the fallout 
or we will see the fallout um, going forward. Um, Because really, up to this point, he did everything for God. Yeah. You know? It was never really about what he wanted. It's just sort of, God wants to do this, and I'm kind of amused by it, so why not? And, of course, Kite wasn't nearly an important person to him. And I don't think he's ever really had anybody important to him in that sort of position. So he guns right to a degree that he doesn't understand how it feels. Uh, But also, Kite is a person that you've talked to before now twice. Like, you've you've interacted with... Basically, yeah, if we're, if we're going by the anime standard. No, it's it's still it's still twice. It's um the first time Gon met him. Um and then when he met him again when they um magicked to him. And then oh, right, they right. went on the, the journey into um NGL. But you've yeah. had basically what amounts to two major interactions with this guy. Sure he's your friend, I guess. But Sort of Gon's reaction isn't proportionate to the actual relationship he has with Kite. Um, if you consider that he that Kite is a substitute for his father, then maybe that kind of explains it, but also maybe not. Um, but going past all of this, that that's the background that came in the episodes prior to one nineteen. You have um, two people show up at this room that Gon, Kamuki, and Pito are in, the first person to show up is um, Yupi, who does not care, not Yupi, Pufu, who does not care if anybody in this room lives or dies. And it's just absolutely terrible how he throws Pito under the bus. Because um, Gon tells him, as soon as he shows up in the door, don't move. If you move, I'll kill everyone. And Pito is begging him not to move. Yeah. And he's just like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I need to assess the situation. And he already knows that um, UP let um, Knuckle go. And he's trying to figure out why UP's changed suddenly. And coming on to this um, scene, he feels as though Pito would have the answer. So... He's attempting to question Pito about what happened and where the king went without cluing Gon in with the questions. But at the same time, he doesn't really care. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he just cares about what's happening to the king right now. Right, which is why he sends out his clone. Yes. And then, essentially, he's just there to assess the situation, too. Um, and then Knuckles shows up, and he's like, let's fight, and then he escapes, which is always this weird, like, whenever he turns into the little clones, it always cracks me up just because of, like, you know, they all have different... He's so serious in his real life and so overdramatic, and then the little clones are just like, ha ha <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a weird annoying, contrast. It's weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's a but, weird contrast because when you look in that moment with like Gon the way he is and Pita. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. hilarious. So it's exactly that whole entire uh, that scene where he shows up and he's like, "Oh shit, okay, what's happening? Why is this kid here?" And 
you know, he leaves and does this thing, and then Gon says that he only has ten minutes less to uh, to heal Kamugi. To heal Kamugi. Yeah. Which is cr- which is cool because like she, he basically said that he overestimated initially. He said that he was about it was like about an hour to get rid of injuries, but uh, he said three or four just to be safe, and then he said no. So he was like, okay, fine, I have enough time, but with ten minutes less, it's like fuck you. Fufu, you totally fucked me over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the three three to four hours probably would have been able to completely restore her to her yeah. condition before she got struck by the, the dragon things. An hour is enough to restore her vital system yeah. and stop her from bleeding to death. Um, so ten minutes left leaves her in a decidedly worse condition than ten minutes less leaves her in a worse condition than she would have ended up in. Granted, he had a whole hour. Uh, then Knuckle shows up. And Knuckle doesn't really know what's going on, but here is Pufu in front of him in a room with Gon and Pito, and he figures that he has to get um, Pufu out of the room. So he, he's challenging Pufu to fight. And Pufu is like, hey, I would love to, but this dude said I can't move. And also, I'm not really me. So just so you guys know, like 10 minutes ago, um, I took most of myself out of this body and I went towards the king. And while we're having this conversation, I'm getting closer and I'm going to screw up your plans. So knowing all of that, do you still want to fight this clone version of me where if you beat me, that's not going to mean anything? Um, worse that happens, I lose in a fight. This 10% of my strength returns to me. And now you have me being the strongest I am here. Yeah. And then from that point forward, it's we switched over to Natera, right? Because that at that point, I think that was yeah. Because we were switching between we were switching between Natero fighting the king, and then this whole entire situation back at the castle. Because um, oh, there was also this part with Wolfen. Yeah, that it, occurred. Were, oh yes, yeah. yeah. There were there was um, that that was going on. There were several things happening, um, including um, oh, I forgot the the octopus dude's name. Lucago, something. Lucago. Lucago. Um, yeah, that was close. He's still looking for Palm and sort of stressing out. He had an opportunity to kill um, Bravuda, uh, but he was out. And yes. while he was doing that, um, the girl that can take away Nen, um, she notes that um, someone must have died because her stomach went down normal. Chitu, I think, had mm-hmm. had to have yes. died because it went back to normal. She's with Reyna, which is probably a spoiler, but I can't remember if she has another name. But she's with the insects. Oh, yeah. Reyna, that's the name of her, her little helper, right? Insect? Yeah, yeah, it's the little girl with the... Uh, yeah, the basically one. just the bug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's with that bug, and they meet... Um, Zeph? The Bzef, yeah. And he begs them to take him out of there because he needs protection of some of the ants just in case, like, upstairs the ants win. And if they don't win, then at least he has ants to maybe protect him. Or maybe he could sacrifice them and the humans will let him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they just, like, drive straight past the Calgo. And he's just like, wait a second, how'd the door open? And when he realizes it's Bazef, Bazef has the ability to go. Um, 
he doesn't know that Welfin's been watching, and Welfin was the one who sent them ahead. Yes. Um, so he and Welfin end up confronting each other, and Welfin asks him the question, which I can't remember what the question was specifically, but he ends up um, sort of misfiring but still hitting him. And when he hits him, um, worms, centipedes, centipedes end up in his brain. And he's continuing to ask questions. He's like, every time you lie to me, they're going to get bigger and constrict your brain more and more. And Welfin is asking him a question and Ikago is like, screw this. And he, he loads up his gun and he shoots him. And as soon as Welfin gets shot, Welfin completely like re-examines his whole meaning of life. Yes. Like, well, wait a second, getting shot hurts. I don't need this in my life. Hang on. And Ikago keeps shooting him. So he's like shot in his limbs. And what finally ends up happening is that... Mind you, the worms are getting bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. His head is like swelling. Ikago is okay with sacrificing himself. He's, his head's swollen way bigger than it normally is. Like the, the centipedes have like ruptured his skin. So you could see their legs... Uh, moving yes. on top of his flesh. It's completely disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. And Welfin eventually like gets rid of his men. And he realizes like, we get um, a memory of his humanity where the two of them knew each other and Ikalgo was basically like his adopted brother. Because he remembers knowing a guy like him when they both worked for Gyro. Yes. So that's cool. Also, Welfin has lost any ability to, like, be anything. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I believe, like, through this pro this whole process, they find out that the the way to get the, um, the centipedes smaller is by uh, Welfin telling the truth. Yep. About something when he's asked a question. Because Welfin is a person that, while he values the truth in other people, he's naturally suspicious because he's a liar. Yes. Yep. So, Natero, um, after we got his whole I was going to say, uh, does the thing with Killua and Palm happen? Yeah, that does happen. Yeah, 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 that happens. It happens that... um, in episode 125. 124 okay. leading into 125. Okay, okay. 125 like kind of zombie. goes back and forth between um, Palm and Killua and Nitero and okay. King. Um, after all of this, while Welfin and Ikago are dicking around, uh, Palm's cocoon hatches. And we're, of course, left to assume it's Palm because they haven't started on anybody else. And she's the only person that went missing. So she comes out sort of with her um, crystal ball as a part of her head. Um, yes. The scale things on her arms and legs that the, the little creature that someone with the crystal ball had. So it's like her, her nan ability got fused to herself. Yes. Um, and Killua is skulking through the castle for whatever reason. Uh, oh, because he came to recharge himself after yes. he fought Yubi. And as he's leaving, he feels 
this presence of somebody watching him. So he's like sneaking around the corner trying to figure out who it is. And then um, Palm walks out and he's like, oh, shit. Well, at least you're not dead, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to ask her questions to gauge uh, whether she's lost her human side or what. And in asking his questions, uh, she keeps responding with, where's gone? And so he's realizing that, okay, initially I thought she was clairvoyant and she was watching me from within the crystal ball because he felt that before. Mm -hmm. But more probably she already knew I was here and just hid her presence. So I thought that um, she was watching. So she told him that if she's seen the person before, she could use the crystal ball ability to find them. And because she's asking him where Gon is, um, she obviously doesn't seem to really remember them. Yes. And so she's automatically an enemy. So he decides she's an enemy. She's like, oh, okay. Uh, I think it's named Black Widow. I don't remember. But um, she, her hair like elongates and covers herself as um, armor. armor, which is awesome. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I did like her hat. Her hat was yeah. Crazy. yeah, she had like that baller hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a fucking witch. And then the two of them start fighting, uh, with neither of them really having the upper hand. So Killer was just like, "Okay, you attacked," and he tries to tell her that, "Okay, it's not that he hates her. It's not that he doesn't want her to meet Gone. He just doesn't want her to meet Gone." looking like she does because Gon has a lot on his plates and if he suddenly realizes that he couldn't protect Palm and she basically died and became an ant and is now evil like that would stress him out to the point of complete mental collapse and he probably died just from that let alone the fact that if he has a mental breakdown Pito's gonna kill him immediately Um, so he's begging her that like if I tell you where Gon is and you show up there, please call him by, I think he says, please call him by his name and say it's you. So, like, even if you're not really you, even if you're on their side, just comfort him because he really needs that from you right now. And that's something that I can't provide. And, and he was really telling her this to get her guard down because yes. he had no intention of telling her where Gon was. But he starts crying. And he's just, it's like the magnitude of everything just hit him that Gon doesn't need him. Um, But that what he was saying while he intended it to be a lie is partially true. Uh, That Palm showing up and Palm being okay would help to calm Gon down. Uh, Because even though he hasn't really mentioned her since he saw Apito, he is still stressed by the fact that they lost contact with Palm. Palm is probably dead. Um, and so on. And then the, the narrator helpfully explains what happened to her. Like, she came into the palace and like uh, her master, uh, Nov, who contacted um, Poof's Nen, I think, and freaked out. Yes, it was Poof's. She, she yeah. felt Pito's Nen and just like froze up and she's she tried to kill herself which is like i was looking at her and like she has a scar on her stomach and i'm just like 
on her chest, sorry. Like, wait yes. a sec. And she, she had attempted to stab herself so that um, <clears throat> whoever found her would think, okay, this is just one of the girls. And they came in here and got scared and so that they couldn't be raped or whatever because they weren't really supposed to be in the palace. Um, no. The person killed themselves. But her fatal error, and they, they compare it to um, animal instinct, basically, um, that she would immediately try to protect herself. So without even realizing it, she immediately um, called up her nen to protect herself. And she instantly switched it off the second she realized she did that. But that was enough for Pito to know, basically, that this is a Nen user. Yes. Uh, which automatically puts Palm on priority above all the other humans, and they immediately decided, okay, we probably know this one is going to be a soldier. So they put her in the cocoon um, so that she would become she became, an She was a test subject number one? Yep. Yeah. And that's what uh, Pufu refers to her as the whole time. Yep. And she's like, I ain't test subject number one, bitch. My name is right. Whatever her last name is. <laughs> yeah. Paul yeah. something or other. Something silly. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has something to do with the temperature, but I'm probably wrong. Oh. And then. Siberia. Palm Siberia. So, yeah. Yeah, Palm Siberia. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to say Palm something Russian or other. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, was it uh, Pufu comes? And he's like, yes. Or wait, no, did we get to the break now? Kayla was a break now? Are you, yeah, you keep going. Okay. So... Yeah, Poof was there. He's like, this is the time to strike uh, while he's on the floor crying. And she, you know, she says what you said. I I am not test subject number one. I am Palm. And basically kills the clone version of him. As you find out, because obviously the, the, the main Poofu is on the way to the king. He's just like, oh, okay, whatever. I guess, well, I guess that was a failure, and he just he immediately decides like we're not gonna make soldiers from um, humans because as long as they have they were trying to strike this balance between soldiers having their memories and not having them yes. because the ones with their memories were more powerful, but they were also harder to control um, because when you look at all the the soldiers with the exception of Welfin, I don't even know if Bravuda had any human memories. Um, Chitu, who was originally going to leave but needed to come back because his ability was ass and yes. Leol, who was planning on betraying the king anyway, everyone else had left sort of immediately after the queen died so he already was thinking like, how do we still have powerful soldiers but also guarantee that they're not going to betray us and after Palm turned out to still have her human memories unlockable, despite what they tried to do, because he, he had, um, I think, Pito operate on her to cut off her mem to let her still have her memories, but cut off her access to them. Yes. And so that she couldn't be emotionally affected by her 
being able to remember Killua and Gone and the others. But despite them physically cutting off that connection, it still didn't matter. So you're just like, okay, this is just, the humans are just a bad idea. Let's just kill them all. Yep. And so he's flying to the king with this new knowledge because he he also, um, in himself, he has not evolved to the point where he finds humans anything other than disposable. Um, whereas the king has, Yupi has, and Pito, to an extent, has. So to the king and the tarot. Like, we already got that whole story about how he was punching for several years until he's able to um, get all his punches in and then pray. And, in, like, an hour or something like that? So yeah. it's like, it was, like, a, a thousand punches or... I forget how many, but, like, a ridiculous number of punches. Or, or I think it was 10,000, maybe. Yeah, it was. I think it was. It said 10,000 on the thing. Mm-hmm. 10,000 punches in one hour. And so now he has time to do other things. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. So we got that. Um, then we have uh, the tarot uh, provoking the king. Where he's like, all right, like, I got to take you out. Yeah. But the, the king. Greatest, yeah. The great thing I love about this, mm-hmm. this scene or this whole entire time is that this is the point in the story where you get confused as a, as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Because the tables turn. The king is no longer the enemy. Essentially, Natero is the instigator. He's the enemy. Because the whole entire time, the king's like, I will not fight you. I want to I talk. I want to have a discussion. I want to talk. I understand now that humans, all humans, are essential. Everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses. Because I was only, I was killing all the weak people. And I was only keeping the strong people as far as strength goes. And then I met this girl who clearly changed my whole perspective because look at her. She's a fucking mess. She's blind. She's constantly sniffling like she's got the perpetual flu. Yes. She's ditzy as fuck. But when it comes down to it, she's a she's a um, she's a magnificent, magnificent strategist with this Mm -hmm. game that she plays. And you could see that as she's playing She's got these strengths, and so he understands that, and he refuses to fight him. And Natero's like, well, fuck you. What if I, like, he kept, like, trying to do things, and there's that one scene. He's like, well, what if I tell you what your name is? And that lit a fire <clears throat> under the king. Yeah. I, I like how um, he was hitting him, and every time yes. the king got hit, he just kind of goes and sits back down. And like, yeah, he would like roll. He would do like a backwards roll or something into a sitting position. And he's yeah. like, "I want to talk. Like, why? Why can't we just discuss this? Like, you as a representative of humans, and me as god of, of everything. That's how we like. Don't you want to talk to your god?" And <laughs> yes. the is just like, "I'm here to kill you." But then he realizes, yeah. you know, "If you want to talk, okay, we can talk. But we're going to talk about what I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about is the fact that I know your name." And he, I like how he, he mentions, like, yeah, I know, but my subordinates also know. But right now, your subordinates are probably killing my subordinates. So I'm probably the only person on Earth that knows your name. Yep. And That is you, willing to tell you. If you kill me, I'm not giving it to you. It's like, I want you to get me to a point where I have to tell you what your name is. And the king is just like, okay, this is interesting. Now you want me to beat you without killing you. 
And, like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, this is like this thing I've been doing this whole time. I will check yeah. you shortly. <laughs> and then uh, Nitero summons his um, 100 hand Buddhist, Buddhist reference Buddhist that I can't yeah. pronounce. So I'm not going to try. I can never pronounce because it's not it's not ever pronounced anywhere close to what the letters on the screen are. I guess they no. they use the the Japanese, but it's also like the weird Japanese thing, dude, they where they say the, something uh, and they use the Japanese term for it, and that is, I guess, what the Indians would call it. Yeah, being that they invented Buddhism. Yes. So it's like a Japanese translation of an Indian. But they always put the Indian like name. Yeah. on the screen so, so it always throws me off either way i would not be able to pronounce it but mm-hmm. it shows it behind him and it's like a huge statue with 100 hands and yes. the tarot puts one hand up and then he claps and it's just like all right let's see what this is and at first it looked lame yeah because like the hands aren't necessarily like they're not all necessarily punching no. uh, some of it is like open palm attacks uh, some of it is like slaps, and the king is getting hit with pretty much all of them. Yes, like there's he he can't really avoid them, and he's trying to figure out like okay, how do I dodge these? Because he's trying to down what actually doing to attack mm-hmm. him. He's like okay, he's clapping, and he can clap faster than I can get at him. So, you know, I have to stop him from being able to clap, and. This is pretty much almost all covered in episode 126. 126 is, is sort of awesome in that it's entirely dedicated uh, to so the fun. fight between the two of them. And it does, like, this great balance between, like, action shots, still uh, manga frames, and, like, complete violence and lots of blood. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Lots and lots and lots of blood, especially like, when he takes off his leg and he's, like... And I do want to mention, before we actually go full on 126, that at the end of 125, uh, Netero goes goes in on the king with all 100 hands and smashes him through the ground to an ancient tomb. Yes. And he's like, this is is a tomb. This is your tomb. Oh, snap. Yes. Yes. So that's like, that's the last thing we hear and also the first thing we hear in 126. I, I like that um, he does all of that to the king, and the king just, like, has scratches. Yeah, he's yeah. like, he has scuff marks on his body. That's about it. He's just like, oh, okay, I did that, and I barely touched him. So, obviously, I probably don't have the power to kill him. Yeah. But the king is still coming forward. He's still trying to figure out his attack. And I like how he's hitting him. And like he bounces off a pillar, and like he does, he doesn't even take the moment to like be hurt. Yeah, he just like completely goes from getting from contacting the pillar to bouncing back off and attempting yeah. to attack again. Like he is like really like mastered like the concept of like rolling with the punches. Yep, that is like it's like he, it's almost like he's being pushed and not punched. Yep. Yeah. And no matter how he gets hit by um, the terrorist attacks, he immediately, even when he gets hit through pillars into walls, he's immediately um, springing back um, at the king. Yes. Or at Netero. Yeah, right. At Netero. 
And he eventually take, cuts his arm off. And the thing that, that's most badass about Natero in this whole thing is Natero tells him, do you think I need both hands to pray? Yo, that was yeah. the best! Oh my god. Because obviously oh. the king doesn't have a concept of religion or, or prayer or whatever. No. So it just looks right. like, okay, he claps his hands and then he attacks. He's so, doing some weird motion that uh, doesn't really uh, keep him in a position where he can defend himself. And then he attacks. So if I can stop him from doing that clapping thing, I should be able to kill him. And then Natero puts his um, other arm, I think it's his right arm, he puts it in front of him, and then he attacks again. And he's like... His, uh, his most powerful move is a zero, zero hand. hand. Yeah. He's like, prayers in my heart. I can pray at any time. I don't need my hands for it. Yep. And, like He gets his leg cut off, and the king is just, okay... You're down to one arm and one leg. Talk to me. That's all I want. Like, I know that some humans are valuable. And what I'm going to do is we're not going to eat all of you. Like, obviously, some of you are going to be cattle. But the rest, we're going to give you an enclave to yourself. And you're going to be able to live in peace. It's going to be way less than 7 billion, than 8 billion. But, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be able to have some sort of um, environment. Um, and homes and lives and you're going to be free of the threat of us attacking you and the terrorist is like that's not enough either there's not going to be some ants in this world there's going to be none yep and um the tarot summons his um zero hand version but like the king is in front of him talking and then it just appears behind him and he's like what the zero hand is is that wild because he's like this whole time it it it's it always appears behind Netero. Yeah. Yeah. So when he appears behind him, you just have this best picture of the king looking up and behind him at the same time like the fuck. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like kind slow of motion, like, like leaning around. down um the zero hand is like leaning down towards him and then it just like fucks his whole shit up. Yes. And but, uh... still <laughs> Still, he's fine. Yes. No missing limbs. He he's not even really bleeding. No, no, he actually looks fairly beat. No, up. he was he was bleeding ish. Like he yeah, like, he, got, like no, he, has, he has like he, has he got skin. caught up a little bit. He, he had, has yeah, like, he got caught up. He has like smears of like he looks like he has more strawberries mm -hmm. than like full on cuts that blood is coming out of. It's like I, yeah, because it. I feel, a couple like, spots on him are purple, mm -hmm. I think. But yeah, because like, some some of it looks like he tripped, like <laughs> while skateboarding on the the sidewalk and yeah. kind of like slid on his knees, you know, on the sidewalk. Yeah, like that's basically what he looks like. So, um, he looks at Natero, and Natero, like all life is out of this dude. Natero is barely. He he looks his age, like. All of a sudden, like all of the the muscle, um, all of his muscle fibers just like fail him. There's nothing yes. there. Skin barely hanging on bones. His eyes mm -hmm. are like black. Yes. And um, he tells the king that his name is Meruem, and King mm -hmm. is just like process. He's like his brain is just like okay, processing, processing, processing. And then the tarot takes his hand, his remaining hand. And with, I think, two fingers, 
stabs mm-hmm. himself in the heart. Don't forget about the part where uh, Meruem is like, look, all right, you tried to come at me a king, the the king of all things. That yep. My life, my everything has been uh, created from the culmination of every single chimera ant, every single evolution of the chimera ant, everything that has uh, what they've struggled to do. All of it has come to fruition in me. I am bigger than just you. And then the and especially like you are nobody. Mm -hmm. Like you're not the king of you're not. Obviously, humanity doesn't have a single king. But he's like you're not even the king of NGL. Like yes, you're just some dude that was elected to. He doesn't even know about hunters, but he's like some guy that's elected to a position that got sent Mm -hmm. on a suicide mission. Like, but yet I was gonna have this conversation with you, and you've chosen to defy me. Because uh, he was still trying to offer him the deal, and the tarot's yes. basically like, <laughs> F you, man. I'm a yeah, human. You have no idea. We do what we like, and from even if I can't kill you, there's always going to be somebody opposing you. You're not going to have that idyllic balance between humanity and the ants where um, we be as small as you want us to be. That's never going to be what happens. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's true, and it's speaking to. Uh, human nature and the fact that because we've dominated the earth for so long there's no way we're going to go back to being dominated by another species uh, yes. we're going to evolve and we're going to create some technology and we're going to find a way there's going to be something at some point in the future someone is going to end you and i yes. might not be able to see it but and then you have like his death like smile glare like just completely eerie look on his face that you can't really tell what it is like what kind of emotion it is. And that scares Meruem. Like that's the first thing that has ever put fear in his heart. Yeah, because he, he starts yeah. to turn to run, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but not. Only, no, he, he only turns and runs after the king pierces his own heart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he looks yeah. up, he's like, you will never understand that. Because like while he's, he's experiencing fear for the first time, that's when uh, Netero goes ahead and takes two fingers on his remaining arm and stabs it through his body, piercing his heart. Yep. And so we learn via the narrator that the plan was always that when they met the king, they wouldn't be able to defeat him. So yeah. the plan, and he and the king realizes that like sort of arrogantly, he expected when he assessed Natero's strength that he would always have been able to beat him. But he realizes in this moment that it was always set up for Natero to die. Like yeah. the, the plan was to isolate him uh, from the rest of his royal guard, to get him underground, to get him to a place where he couldn't readily escape. Yes. And uh, to do this thing, which is they've planted a bomb uh, known as the Rose, and he explains how um, it's a compact weapon. Magnetic rose. Yeah. It's a compact yeah. weapon. It's cheap. Um, dictators in poor countries tend to produce it. Uh, it's sort of like a nuke. Is it definitely kind of like a dirty bomb? Yeah, yeah. it's more. It's, it's yeah. more a dirty bomb than a nuke. Uh, it explodes yeah. like it's supposed to be one, but that might just be like mm-hmm. they just like mushroom clouds. Um, yeah. And or it, rose clouds in this case. Yeah. It, <laughs> Blows up like a mushroom, and then it's a rose at the end. Um, but it's wired to Natero's heart, so if his heart ever stops beating, is I guess they'd assumed that the king was going to kill him. Yes. Um, and in this situation, obviously, the king has no intention of killing him. And mm-hmm. 
as soon as his heart stops, it's set off. So when the king realizes that whole wave of hate energy thing combined yes. with him stopping his heart, and you hear the heartbeat stop, which is also um, a, a very like tense audio choice that worked really well. Yes. His heartbeat stops and then just friggin' boom. Everything goes up. Um, you see the, the rose cloud and the episode ends with everyone being like, holy shit. What just, what, what just happened? What happened? Like, is the king going to survive this? Um, and we really don't know. Natero's obviously dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like falls over. The crazy thing that that I loved, and it was it was also done in the manga too, is when he puts his thumb through his heart. He's just naked. There are no clothes. Yeah, he has no. He's clothes utterly defeated. Yeah. I mean, he does have like clothes on, obviously, but like the scene when he thumb in, it's just showing him like naked and frail. Yeah, kind of like a a contrast of like society as or, or humanity will like go through the like worst case scenario of just this old man about to die and he will puncture his heart to ensure that it's uh, that humanity goes forward which to me i could always like one of the most crazy things because again it, it goes back to saying is he who's the bad guy who's the enemy who's yeah. the i mean and then too when you consider i don't think they really address it here um i think it's it's probably in the episode to come when start to explain the effects of the rules. Um, and what you have to keep in mind is there are millions of people lined up outside the gates of the palace, right? Yep. The wind is very capable of carrying uh, what was in that bomb towards the palace. And which is obviously that's what happens. They've basically, the humans have, decided to sacrifice NGL from before they even showed up, um, NGL and um, East Gorto, from before they even showed up inside. That decision was already made, um, that they were going to do that. Uh, whether the ants were going to kill them or whether uh, their decision to use the rose was going to kill them. The entire population of East Gorto, NGL, as far as they were concerned, were already dead. Um, and as you as you go into their plan, the more evil it seems. Yes. And especially um, as you see Gon and Pito fight, I think that that fight drove it home for me um, of who was really the villain all along. Because uh, what you really have is, yes, it's an invasive spe- species, but usually with even with invasive species, um, First of all, it's, it's normally humans' fault. They're there to begin with. Um, but we do still attempt to preserve the species just back where the, um, the natural habitat is able to allow them to flourish without yeah. hurting anything else. So whether that means... And usually the aim is to capture alive uh, whatever's out there, but sometimes it's also to kill them. And clearly their intention for dealing with this invasive species in the chimera ants was to kill every single one of them. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, anyways, they already got their test subjects since they have, yep. uh, the King's, uh, uh, sibling and also a uh, cult. Yeah. So, so their intention was to wipe them all out. Their intention was also to kill whatever humans were there. 
because collateral collateral damage. Yeah. And you have uh, Gon, who's insisting on fighting someone that's already defeated. Is every single scene you see of Pito from the moment um, Gon first decides to let Pito live for the next hour. Everything about Pito's posture indicates that Pito has already lost. Um, whether that's just a mental thing or is assessing that looking at this kid, uh, his ceiling is way too high for me to see. Yeah. Um, poof. I definitely felt like we should die. I, I didn't yeah. have any sympathy for him. Nope. But the other three, the king especially, because we really... With Pito and Yupi, we got like an episode to see them change. But the king, uh, from the moment he was first introduced to where he is now, he's a completely different person. And the tarot sort of acknowledges that. But at the same time, is like, okay, we're not willing to sacrifice humans, more humans, because he's already ate a lot of people. Yep in order for you to continue to evolve to the point that you recognize humanity as a species equally deserving of life and access to... Because, like, I think even if the king had come at him, like, all right, we're not going to leave um, this continent. Um, I apologize for all of the ants that already did. You could kill them. But me and my kingdom is going to stay here. Because, of course, that's not viable. As there are new kings born, they're going to attempt to expand and conquer the rest of the yes. world. That's inevitable. Yeah, because the, the reason the king exists is to make more queens, right? Essentially, yeah. can make, he can make a queen out of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then those queens' objective are to make new kings, and it keeps going. Yep, so. essentially. Because even if, even if this guy is a good guy, there's no guarantee that his son is going to be a good guy. Or even if he is, there's no guarantee that his son would be, and so on and so forth. Too. Mm-hmm. At one point, because uh, obviously I would think, even though um, the most likely queen in this situation was Kamugi, and Kamugi, while not being physically strong, does have like a high nen ceiling. Yes. Um, like the king does. So if they had mm-hmm. a kid, it's possible that it would be stronger than Mero. Yes. So... If that guy, for whatever reason, pissed off at humans, he could probably wipe out the whole world before anybody has a chance to react. And then not to mention, because uh, wasn't there a thing where basically if the queen dies, any ants currently alive essentially become kings and become able to make queens? Yeah, they um, they undergo an evolution um, yeah. so that the species would continue to propagate. But yeah. there's there's just this... On like a uh, a small level, mm-hmm. it's incredibly personal, and it all seems like very despicable. In that, you felt, especially since the king wanted to talk, like you felt like had they sent sent more diplomatic people, that they would mm-hmm. they would have been able to hash it out and come to some sort of agreement. Whether it's like, okay, king, you can have this island, or hey, you know what? We're going to help you get back to where your mother came from so you could have whatever that is out there. Uh, whether that conclusion would have been able to be reached. But on a, on a small level, it just feels like the king is a good dude and we're killing a good dude 
because of the future. Because the people with the money and power say that's said, what they're gonna do. Yeah. said kill them. Yeah. And it's kind of clear in what the narrator is saying about how they arrived at the whole let's insert a dirty bomb in this dude's heart is um, controlled by the people that are controlling the Hunter organization, which we see yeah. more of in the following arc, but just the idea that the, the Hunter organization like isn't this ideal place or no. ideal company that... that it's um, not some kind of bastion of justice. It's like they, a guns for hire. They're not a charity at yeah. all. And like it, it's been hinted that they're basically mercenaries, but everybody we mm-hmm. see, with the exception of Ahsoka, all seem like they're good people. Yeah. Um, some some of them seem like they're more motivated by money than anybody else, but they they're all pretty good dudes. Yes. So any the um, one... go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask if there's any other thoughts. Oh, um, more so than anything, I mean, obviously they did a great job animating the fight sequence between Natero and and the king. That one was great. Um. Mm-hmm. Really, like I remember, like I mentioned earlier, the this part was like after the rose exploded, Tagashi went on a hiatus, and I remember like trying to figure out what the fuck was going on, just like speculation. And I remember thinking in my in like back then about like what I could see happening was you know obviously the king dies, um, Taro dies, and now it's just from a Typical shonen point of view, Gon would kill. Um, they would basically kill the rest of the ants. Mm-hmm. So like Gon would have his fight with, with Pito, and uh, Pufu, and Yupi would fight. You know, Killua, and Palm, and then that would be how they. You know, they would kill them and then they'd survive. And for some reason, I thought Palm fighting would die. Because she'd be like sacrificing herself. Like I, I'm no longer human, but I still have my human emotions. So I right. will kill my, I will sacrifice myself for this. Which now, I mean, now that I know what happens, that it doesn't make any sense. But mm-hmm. it's, it, it was a typical like, oh right, I've never seen, I did not one single uh, at any point expect it to go to where it actually went. Especially and since that's things- like there's there's a level of expectation with shonen animes where. The villain of any particular arc is killed or defeated by the hero of the manga. And Gon never right. gets anywhere near the king. Like, at all. Nope. I guess we're kind of spoiling, but yeah. I mean, it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. That there's an explosion um, of a dirty bomb in the king's face. Yes. Um, even if he survives it, there's a pretty strong chance that he won't survive it for long. And there was a lot of, well, not, I, mean, I won't say a lot, because I wasn't really clued into Hunter Hunter community, so I don't know how widespread this idea was. But there was a bit of backlash to that, um, which is weird, because there's, there's not, like, a precedent of, I mean, obviously coming from Greed Island. Nuclear weapons. Yeah. Not even that, but coming from Greed Island, where he did defeat the last boss in mm-hmm. the bomber. But prior to that, he hadn't. Um it's always been taken care of by someone else. Yes. But there was just this feeling of um, dissatisfaction with Natero and uh, the king being like the apex fight. And obviously, Pizzo and um, Gon, it's going to come after, but not chronologically after, I think. 
Um, yeah. I think it happens simultaneous to this fight, or maybe a few minutes after. But it's mm-hmm. shown in the manga after. Um, but this isn't the this is what's going to happen with Gon isn't the big fight, and I think that's what people were disappointed by. Um, yeah. If anything, I think I've seen uh, for the anime right now. I've seen a lot of people uh, just. Uh, discontent with how the pacing has been, mm-hmm. and I feel like way. that's only because uh, with the narrator and stuff, with uh, the heavy use of narrator, like it's awesome for us because we know what's gonna happen and what kind of things and surprises are gonna go down and twists. But the people that have not seen it before are basically being like impatient because they're expecting regular shonen fanfare, so they're like, whatever, just show us already, but. We know, like, they've been teasing this along because they're about to show us some awesome shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to go and be, like, people expecting the same shit, and then this mm-hmm. is clearly going to be different. And mm-hmm. I don't. I want to know how people are going to react to it, obviously, but that's how it was in the manga. It's not like this... Yeah. And I think we, pre- we preface that by saying it starts out like a normal shonen, but it slowly becomes its own fucking thing where it doesn't get compared to anything else. Yes. So for me to have to like listen to these people and be like, why is a narrator talking? They should just show us what is going on. I mean, on the one hand, like there is the the idea of show don't tell. And I don't know how that got into like non-writers' minds cuz what yes. the fuck does that have to do with you at all? But if you look I, at if you look at I the, assume is like uh like reviewers and stuff, uh, like learning the term and then yeah, throwing I mean, it everywhere. Like, Viewers are still writers, though, so I don't really understand why. Like, right, but people reading these the reviews, common like, audience is all show don't yeah. tell. Like, how is he going to show mm-hmm. you? How are they going to show you the things that the narrator is telling you? Okay, how are you going to show them the things in their mind other than like having internal di- monologues? Right. Like at, at, the at, same, at that at point, the... it's the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like the. Maybe this was a poor time to choose to info dump, but there's a lot of information about the ants, about the psychology, about um, the concerns uh, Poof has towards uh, Pito and Yupi. That's sort of hard to vocalize apart from just having that voice actor talk for an entire episode, which is what nobody wants. Um, So it was just taken on by the narrator, and I'm fine with that, especially since I actually like the narrator's voice. And he yeah. sounds he sounds the appropriate amount of excited. So I'm fine with all of that. And I mean, I feel like if you read this arc, um, not having read Hunter Hunter Manga and you just look at it after the anime is done, you will be surprised by the amount of text boxes uh, there are that are clearly narrator text boxes. They'd, I don't think there's very much that they're inventing for the narrator to say. It's pretty much just taken from lines that are already narration. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much before this episode. That's pretty much what I saw among people that are new to it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Kind of every everybody else I see and like the social media people that I follow and stuff, or people that already read the manga. So, right, yeah. So, I mean, hey, if uh, you guys are first time, you know. Uh, watching this in the anime for the first time 
please tell us, you know, what you think of this. Like after seeing 126, like all this lead up and then 126, kind of let us know how you feel about it. Email us at uh, hxhpodcast at gmail at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, I, I admittedly don't really search around forums and stuff to see what people think about stuff, so I don't really know. Unless I happen to see it on Twitter. Yep. Yeah. Right. And I think, I mean, there's one forum that I go to, um, mm-hmm. but I haven't had the time to go and check and read what the hell's been going on there. Yeah. I wish I had more time to do things sometimes. So, um, so any, any other uh, final thoughts, uh, things that stood out to you, what struck you in these eight episodes that we've covered? I'm just I, prepping myself for the emotion. <laughs> yeah. I, I had one thought about uh, essentially the like how the uh, when Meruem says the king checkmated him a long time ago. Yeah, and I feel like that—the moment he checkmated him was when he got the king to admit to checkmate him first. Mm-hmm. Like instead of just going into a fight and then a fight to the death. Yeah, because if it was just a fight to the death, he might not had of had necessarily uh, the time to set up the perfect situation for the bomb to go off. But because he got him to agree to that, he was able to trap him uh, in the tomb and then let the fight play out. So that he died and the bomb went off. Because obviously if it went out right there, it's possible that the king, you know, could escape some damage. True. I mean, at the same time, like... When I mean, at like, the same time, it's a fucking... Fucking fight bomb. me. He's yeah, like, alright, I'll fight yeah. you. Mm-hmm. He's like, done. You're over. Game, set, match. Yeah. So that that's what I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it all looks fucking amazing. We're about to get uh to gone. And and on my timeline there were a whole lot of people, um some people obviously they're um anime reviewers, anime podcasters, like this is their mm-hmm. thing. And then other people who are casual anime watchers, a lot of them pretty much echoed that 126 is pretty much the best fight they've ever. ever seen ever 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 yeah um hands down um whatever you want to pull out to discuss it um obviously with naruto for a long time it was that that um gara versus lee fight just mm-hmm. artistically looks amazing yes um, but this a lot of people felt surpassed that so i wanted to make sure that we acknowledged um that feeling that i've seen echoed in a lot of places oh um, yeah like, I Mad can't House, really put a finger on it. Madhouse, yeah. I think, pulled out all the stops for that. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll probably be coming back to at some point in the future. Like, you kids want to see when anime was great, and then you pull <laughs> up episode 126 and you force them to watch it with no context. Yeah, right. They're like, like oh it's... my god, what the fuck is this? Yeah, and then then they'll be like, well, what about this Moe show that was airing at the same time? We're like, never mind that. <laughs> That never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. We only had good anime. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. No, I haven't. Like the only other stuff that I have been watching 
has been JoJo. Yes. Oh. Um, I watched Space Dandy, which I I gave up on that <laughs> really quick. Um, what else did I watch? I think oh, Hunter Hunter. Um, caught up on One Piece just because I was I really liked the arc that they were on in the mm-hmm. manga, and I want to see how they were doing animated. And they actually raised their animation value greatly, oh, so wow. I'm enjoying that. And it probably got tired of people bitching about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as shitty as it's been, so it's been pretty good. Um, of course, I probably jinxed the... Because this arc just kind of started, so... Um, and I think that's been it. I haven't really been able to watch much. Much else. If Gintama came back, that'd be fucking amazing. What are they waiting for on that, by the way? Do we, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's Sunrise and Shueisha have to make a new agreement to get another yeah. season. I don't know. Maybe they just want more? So that they, yeah, could, maybe they, want they more. could go for three or four years, possibly, and not have to... Because there, there is a good amount of content since they stopped. Uh, but it might just be like they want... a solid run amount of time. I mean, he doesn't take breaks, so... No. I don't see why they wouldn't start now, but... Maybe we'll hear something at the end of the year. Yeah, maybe something around fall, end of the year. Hopefully. Because that is one series that I do miss. I miss... I miss Mike and Tama. And not to say that I obviously like to read the manga. Um, That's what I've been doing more, too. I've been reading more manga because I have more time for that like on the train and stuff than to watch anime. Yeah. So I started reading Gintama and then Stealth Symphony has been fucking awesome so far. I forgot to ask you, what did you think of that, Foxy? Because you never really... Did what you ever I, find it where you could read it? What did I think of what? You remember I told you about Stealth Symphony? No, I actually don't remember you telling me about Stealth Symphony. I don't okay. remember a lot of things people say to me. Like, if you don't get me, <laughs> if you recommend something to me and you don't get me to do it immediately, it's it's just like you never said it. I remember you you went on there and I was like, here, you should go check it out. And I remember you checking it out. And you're like, I will have to find this because it wasn't in English. It was in Japanese still. It was still a raw. So I don't know. I don't know if you ever, like, went back and read it in English. That was my only question, but... I'm going to go with a no on that. <laughs> yeah, for now, it's no. Yeah, okay. Well, all right, I guess we should close up shop. Yeah, um, again, yeah. the email address, if you want to contact us by email, is hxhpodcast.gmail.com. The website is hxhpodcast.wordpress.com. Find us on facebook.com slash hxhpodcast or tweet us on twitter.com slash hxhpodcast. Or you can call us, leave up to three minute um, voicemail just to Hunter Hunter, 954 324 7722. It's 954 324 7722. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's a new episode of Ask Backwards Anime Podcast out. Go check that out. Episode 102 at SSA Podcast.com. Let's see. Got. Yeah, there was a fairly recent. Maybe not fairly recent, actually. Last month, an uh, episode of uh, Ready Startup Change came out. Yeah, it did. That features uh, me, named Dr. Foxy Brown over here, uh, the Seraph, and... Uh, Doctor. 
Doctor. We you hear Dr. all of us at some point during this show. Yes. So you've heard all of us. So if you like Sentai and uh, Common Rider, the you know Tokusatsu type stuff, check that out at uh, ReadyStartupChange.wordpress.com. Yep. Yeah. I think that's it. All right. So see you guys next time. Okay. Bye, guys. The climax is a soak penis. <laughs>